I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. This hour, it's Let Me Speak to the Governor. Governor Spencer Cox answers questions from KSL. And from you, call now, 801-575-8255. Let Me Speak to the Governor, live from the studios of KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Good afternoon, and thank you for joining us for Let Me Speak to the Governor. I'm Maria Shaleos, along with Utah Governor Spencer Cox, and thanks for joining us for Let Me Speak to the Governor. The number to call with your questions, 801-575-8255. You can also text us your questions at 57500, and we'll get to as many of them as we can. Governor, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Maria. It's great to be back with you. It's nice to have you here today to answer questions from our listeners. Um, The first thing that we need to talk about, though, is something that just happened just minutes ago on the floor of the House of Representatives. The House uh, voting to go along with the Senate and to immediately end the mask mandate in Salt Lake and Summit counties. And I wish you were here to see, or maybe you can see, all of the texts that we have received on this subject. And, of course, they are polarizing on both sides of the issue. But give us your perspective. I'm going to read you one of the uh, listeners from earlier today who said, Governor Cox, your approach on COVID seems to signal that we're raising a white flag and surrendering that everyone's just going to get COVID, so we should give up. Uh, They'd like you to help them understand why they shouldn't feel this way based on your public comments and actions. Are we giving up and just kind of giving it up to giving in to COVID? Well, absolutely not, Maria, and, and, and I appreciate the uh, the question. We're, we're not giving up, but what we are doing are focusing on the things that we actually know make a difference, and I think that's very important uh, for, for people to understand. Look, we, we've been very fortunate here in the state of Utah. Unfortunately, the coverage, and, and this is normal. I, I understand how this works. Um, uh, fear uh, drives more clicks than anything else, and it. But but for the people that are that are really studying this disease, it, there there's a, a little little bit of a, and this is tough for, for humans, we, we don't adapt well to, to change. Um, and the virus itself is changing. The virus itself has changed significantly since the very beginning. The Omicron variant is so different from the original virus, from the alpha virus, and, and, and from the delta virus. It's so much more contagious, and I think that's hard for people to really grasp. Um, alpha was two times more contagious than the original variant. Delta was two times more contagious than, than alpha. And Omicron is four times more contagious than uh, than, than Delta. So, so now we're getting in, in, in multiples. It, it, it's just so much more contagious on the flip side. And that's why we're seeing these giant spikes. Um, th- th- there seems to be also this this 
lack of, of a perspective as to what's happening everywhere around us. Um, it, this, the people, we're kind of in our bubbles, and especially the local media um, has only focused on the on on the, the the worst parts, and and again, not given any perspective. Um, and so, th- this is a 21 day spike. It's a 21 day spike in every country. It's a 21 day spike in every state, and every state is seeing record numbers of of COVID. And then after 21 days, those numbers drop quickly. So that's some positive news. So hospitalizations is a critical number to uh, to watch as well. And yes, our hospitals are full, and that's something we're very concerned about. But but I, I guarantee you that almost all of your listeners, although they know that we have very high COVID cases, have no idea that our hospitalization rate is less than half the national average. Yesterday, we were six, had the sixth lowest hospitalization rate in the country. Now, that's because we haven't given up on COVID, but we're doing the things that we know work. And that is that we've done a very good job of, of getting, uh, of getting the, uh, the, getting immunizations, getting shots out, uh, to people, the vaccine out to, uh, especially our most vulnerable populations, the population that is most likely to be hospitalized. And that's our elderly population. Um, and so it's not that we're giving up on the virus. We have stopped doing things that aren't proven to make a huge difference. Now, so that comes up to the question of masks. Um, I do believe that N95 masks work against Omicron. And and every expert, you can go and look at this, um, cloth masks do not work against Omicron. Um, CNN's chief correspondent, so this is not a far-right conservative, uh, the CNN's chief medical correspondent said that, that cloth masks are window dressing when it comes to Omicron because it's so much more more contagious. They did have some impact when it came to uh, to the, the, the alpha variant, but not Omicron. So our, we, our, we have to adjust to the virus. Now, the other piece of this is important is that we have tools we didn't have earlier in, in, in our, our fight against the virus. There was a time when masks were the only thing we had. Um, now we don't. We have all of these other tools, uh, again, especially vaccinations. And with N95 masks, you can protect yourself. And so people have an opportunity now to, uh, to make those decisions. And the good news is, and I, I want to give people the good news because, again, some of this gets left out. Um, the first place to spike in Utah was Summit County. Summit County had by far the highest rates uh, of COVID with Omicron. And uh, after 21 days, like clockwork, um, we are seeing those numbers dropping now in, in Summit County, which means that the rest of rest of the state is not far behind. Um, we, we actually measure, um, because testing everywhere across the country, testing is not the best uh, measurement now because it's uh, so many people are testing at home and uh, it's harder to get tests because supplies are so limited. So we're, we're looking actually at wastewater, and uh, we we test the amount of of the the virus in wastewater, and we've seen uh, that uh, again huge drops in in the virus in wastewater in Summit County, and we've seen the plateau now in most parts of the Wasatch Front all along the Salt Lake Valley. We've seen that plateau, which means that now we we are we are starting to make that turn, and we'll be coming back down. So we 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 are not giving up, but what we're doing is giving people the best information, the best ability to protect themselves, and then giving them an opportunity to do that. So, Governor, I hear you say that N95 masks do provide good prevention to COVID. One of the things, though, that I don't understand, the mask mandate that was in effect in these counties only lasts about 10 more days. And if we know that masks do help us and can help teachers in the classroom, why do away with it? It seems like there's more to it behind that and that there's really a statement being made here rather than looking at public health. 
Well, you'll you'll have to talk to the legislature about uh, their decision for 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 making those changes. So, as as, as you mentioned, I think this is a little confusing for some people. I, I actually don't have any uh, authority over that decision. I it's not a bill that comes to my the the law says that it's a resolution that is passed by the legislature, and so so I'll I'll let them speak to that. Um, the uh, so so again, you're and we do this all the time. We're conflating two different things. There's a question about whether masks work, and then there's a question about whether mask mandates work. And I want to say specifically with Omicron, again, because Omicron is very different. We keep having these alpha fights in an Omicron world. Um, There there is no evidence that mask mandates are making a difference anywhere in the United States. In fact, there's there's actually lots of evidence that mask mandates are not making any difference in the United States. If you look at the states that have had uh, some of the highest rates of Omicron spread, um, they have mask mandates. Uh, Many of us were in L.A. County uh, for for the Rose Bowl. They have a mask mandate there and uh, their numbers in in LA County were were no no better than than ours um, and so the and and I'll, I'll actually point to something closer to home you mentioned schools and 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 so the the question is you said it helps a mask mandate helps in schools um, actually the evidence does not support that in Omicron um, the Salt Lake City School District which had a mask mandate for that entire time actually had higher rates of uh, of Omicron last week before the mask mandate went into effect than schools right around it that did not have a mask mandate. And you may be asking yourselves, well, that's, that's a little counterintuitive. How does that work? Um, again, Omicron is so much more contagious. And, and as, as humans, we're not very good at wearing masks um, the right way. So we, we see this, we have, we have a mask mandate and people go into restaurants wearing masks and then they immediately take them off to eat and drink. Well, well the virus isn't sitting there thinking, oh, wait, they're, they're eating and drinking now. I'm not going to infect them. That's, that's not how this works. So wearing a mask into a restaurant to eat and then taking it off is, is silly, especially with how how quickly Omicron spreads. Again, it's different than the other viruses. You could get away with taking in a little of alpha and, and not get contagious and not get infected. You can't do that with, with Omicron. And so every time you lower your mask to take a drink, every time you move your mask to the side to take a, to, to, you know, to, to catch your breath or to say something to someone, if there's Omicron around you, you're probably going to get infected. So if you have an N95 mask and if you wear it the right way and you never move it down, you're going to be protected. So, so the question isn't, do masks work? The question is, do mask mandates work? And, uh, and right now with Omicron, again, there, there's no evidence in any state that some state did better than some other state or some county did better than some other county or some school district did better than some other school district because they had a mask mandate. So, so that's, I, I, you know, that's where I think we have to be really honest with people um, and, and not give them a false sense of security. Um, if you wear an N95 mask, you wear it religiously, you wear it whenever you're around other people, then you will be protected. And, and everybody should have that choice. There, there's also this, this crazy idea that if we don't have a mask mandate, that means nobody can wear masks. And that's just not true. I still wear a mask some places, um, whether there's a mask mandate or not. When I'm in a, a very big crowd, or I think that there may be somebody I'm around that, that's impacted, I'm also aware when I'm around other people who are at high risk or would like me to wear a mask. I think it's a, I think it's something that we can do. Um, it's symbolic. It's a way to to, to say, yep, I'm I'm here. Um, I'm willing to do that for you. That's not the question. The question is whether government should be enforcing that or not. It's really interesting with schools in uh, in most of the rest of the world, um, especially for kids under the age of 12. They've never mandated masks and uh, and and there are there are 
definitely concerns that we're hearing um, from uh, from from uh, childhood experts who are, are worried about child development, um, especially younger children's ability to see faces. But but again, um, we know we know that in in a couple weeks, as you mentioned, this is going to be this is going to be gone. Now now why why the legislature felt like they needed to weigh in when there's only uh, you know a couple weeks left for this mask mandate? I, I can't speak for them, and, uh, and and I'm not going to speak for them. Um, it, it you know it probably would have been fine and, and would have gone away after a couple weeks anyway. But that's the decision they made. But I, I'm, I'm just I'm, I'm so done with these fights. You you're getting We're just as many texts I'm sure from people who sure. are are pro mask and anti mask and and it's it's a dumb fight to be having right now. But Governor, the question is this: We're, we're constantly hearing from state leaders about wanting to have local government control and being upset right. with the Biden administration for not allowing local government control. What kind of message does this send to the local governments if you take away their control to protect their own communities? Sure, and that's a very good argument. That 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 is a very good argument, and uh, and it's an argument that I appreciate. And so again, I you know I I didn't have a say in in, in peeling that back. I, I do respect local governments and their ability to uh, to make decisions. Now, I, I do want to say there there is a distinction, and we fail to make this distinction sometimes. Um, the, you can you can make an argument that the federal government should not be imposing control on states, but but there is a constitutional distinction there. The states exist, and the Constitution is very clear on this: um, that the powers you know not granted directly to the federal government belong to the states. Um, this, the states are sovereign authorities that are are separate apart and, and co-equal actually too. In in fact, in in many cases, there's an argument to be made that they they supersede um, the, uh, the the federal government, and and so those two things exist in the Constitution. That is not true with cities and and counties. They do not have the same t- type of constitutional uh, uh, pr- protections that uh, that 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 states have vis-a-vis the federal government. And so it's it's not the same argument. But it is an argument that conservatives do make all the time, and it's one that I make all the time. And sometimes um, making that 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 uh, that that argument means that local governments are going to do some things that we disagree with, and we have to be okay with that. And uh, and I think there's certainly an argument for that in this case. Governor, we need to take a break, but I just have to ask you one more question on mask mandates, and that is you say the legislature is doing this, but you did uh, exempt state government buildings from mask mandates. Well, it's been it's been positioned as exempting state state facilities from mask mandates, and that's that's just not true. Um, what is true is that county mandates don't apply to state buildings for the reasons I just mentioned. Um, that that counties and and cities do not have authority over the state. So it's not that that I exempted uh, the 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 state buildings from a county mandate. The state buildings were always exempted from county mandates. What I didn't do was issue my own mandate for state buildings uh, for the reasons that I just mentioned. So I had to come to a conclusion. Am I going to mandate masks in state buildings? Do I think that mask mandates make enough of a difference that I should be requiring people to do that? And and so I, I asked public health officials to give me the best data they had on mask mandates. The best data we had with Omicron on mask mandates. And no one could provide me any data that showed that mask mandates were making a difference. And so I decided I was not going to issue a mask mandate for uh, for state buildings, which is very different than saying I was exempting them from uh, from local counties. That That's already a function of the law. Thank you so much for that explanation. Let's take a break. We do have callers waiting to ask very important questions. The number to call, 801-575-8255. You can also text us your questions at 57500. I'm Dave Cauley. 
investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Get your questions answered by the governor. Call 801-575-8255 to join Let, Let Me, Me Speak, Speak to, to the, the governor. governor on KSL News Radio. Your questions this hour are on all the important issues in the state of Utah. Let's take our first phone call, and that is from James in Provo. And good afternoon, James. Well, good afternoon, Maria, and good afternoon, Governor. Anyhow, well, one of the major issues... Uh, facing Utah and many of the western states is water conservation. And by the way, I listened to your state of the state last night, Governor. You did great. I was just wondering, in the vein of uh, preserving water, back in my grandma's day, I remember uh, she to rainwater that just flowed off the edge of the rooftop down into a cistern and it could be pumped out later for watering the lawn and etc to where it would uh, preserve existing clean water supplies for drinking and and utilize something that many people discard what are your thoughts on that yeah, James, thank you. It's it's great to hear from you again. And uh, I appreciate the qu- And thank you for listening to the State of the State last night. I'm, I'm sure all of the listeners listened last night. And if you didn't, I hope you'll get a chance to listen because we did talk about, uh, about water and what's happening in, in our state, James. And, and I appreciate what, uh, what what you said because you're right. Um, and and some some homeowners are, are still doing that. Uh, we, we actually had a law a few years ago that was passed um, that, that it promotes and allows for rainwater harvesting. Uh, with with uh, two fifty five gallon barrels above ground up to twenty five hundred gallons uh, below ground um, they, they, uh, they you can you can go to uh, waterrights.utah.gov to learn more about cisterns and uh, and rainwater harvesting in, in Utah um, we, we don't typically have enough rain during the summer months to do much beyond spot watering on on the uh, on the yard and that's why uh, conservation is so very very important and uh, we're we we're going to be encouraging, of course, more conservation as, as we move forward, as we are one of the driest states in the nation. Water is, is really critical um, to our ability to make sure that uh, our kids and grandkids can, uh, can live here. And Utah stepped up in a big way. I, I, I was so proud. We, we saved billions and billions of gallons of water this past year because of Utah's willingness to step up. But, but, but I would encourage you to watch for those bills that will be coming. We have several bills that are being run right now um, that will help with the uh, with the conservation effort and uh, and 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 you're right rainwater is one of the ways that that people can uh, can use that again um, you can go to uh, a couple places one is is waterrights.utah.gov for uh, for more information there 
and uh, and then we we encourage you uh, to uh, to go uh, to uh, and again make sure that you're doing it the right way. And uh, waterrights.utah.gov is a place to uh, to go and find out more information. Thank you, James. All right, James. Thanks for your call. We need to take a break for the bottom of the hour news. The number for you to call to ask your questions eight zero one five seven five eight two five five. You can also text your questions to five seven five zero zero. Get your questions answered by the governor. Call 801-575-8255 to join Let, Let Me, Me Speak, Speak to, to the, the governor. governor on KSL News Radio. Thank you for joining us for Let Me Speak to the Governor. I'm Maria Schleus, along with Utah Governor Spencer Cox, taking your calls at 801-575-8255. You can text us your questions at 57500. Governor, the next text question is, will you veto the income tax reduction and ask lawmakers to go back and lower the food tax? Well, thank you. So we're 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 still in negotiations on what that's uh, what that's going to look like. Um, I, I actually have not proposed lowering the food tax, um, and and uh, what what I have proposed is a uh, is a tax credit, a grocery tax credit that would uh, that would be given out to uh, to uh, to people our most vulnerable. Um, what what we're seeing right now is a huge increase in uh, in inflation, which which is a tax in a way. Um, and, and it's a tax that hurts um, those who are, are the most vulnerable in, in our in our state and uh, and in our country. Um, we are, we are seeing that inflation at rates that we haven't seen since I was six years old in uh, early in, in 1982. That's how long it's been since we've seen inflation this high seven percent over last year were the the latest numbers that we received last week. And so what I've proposed is uh, is a grocery tax credit. Um, we are having those discussions right now with the legislature. Um, I am going to support an, an income tax. Um, I'm going to support whatever tax we can, tax breaks that we can come to. I, I want to get this hard-earned money back into the pockets of, of as many Utahns as possible. I think there's a way to do that where um, where everyone enjoys uh, enjoys a tax break um, from the uh, from, from the people making the very least in the state of Utah to the people making the most. Uh, there, there's a way to do that, and I think we will be able to find some compromise to, uh, on making that happen. Let's take our next listener. And that is Memphis in Harriman. Uh, good afternoon, Memphis. What is your question? Hi there. So um, I'm going to kind of circle back to the beginning of your conversation when, you know, this thing kind of started um, about getting rid of this mask mandate. Um, I, I still am just kind of trying to understand this. Um, with our numbers being so high, and again, I heard you indicate that masks really don't help unless you have an N95 and everybody keeps them on with this Omicron variant. But I beg to differ. Um, my spouse is in healthcare, and these hospitals are just, you know, I think they're to the point where, I, you know, I, I don't know, just raise, you know, I guess the white flag and just, you know, say, hey, I, I'm done with this because I just, I, I can't. I can't imagine why, well, you know, I guess I can because we do live in a state that is of not the party that I'm, you know, a part of. I just don't understand what the kind of hurriedness of this was and let this mask mandate run out. Is it the people that, you know, or at these school board meetings or, you know, pleading about their children, not wearing a mask. 
I don't know. I mean, can you help me out with that? Because I, I heard everything you said. I I kind of came in a little bit late, but I did hear you say that the uh, these masks really aren't helpful with this Omicron variant, which I'm, I'm sort of confused about because, again, I don't know if you've seen our numbers, but our numbers are still ridiculous. The yeah, hospitals thank you. are full. Thank you, know? you Memphis. I mean, yep. Yeah, th- thank you. So I, 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 I would, and, and let, I know you missed part of it. So, so I'll share this. So, um, w- what I would ask is, I, I would ask everyone to go look at the numbers in every other state, including those states that have mask mandates. And what you will see is that it is the same in every other state. Um, you mentioned the hospitalization rates, and and I would encourage you to look at the hospitalization rates in every other state. And what you will find is that Utah is one of the best in the country. We we actually have the some of the lowest hospitalization rates in the country. Our hospitalization rates are half more than less than half the national average could you imagine if 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 we were if our hospitalization rates were like all the other states even the national average double what they were right now um you you are right that our hospitals are full i i want to specifically thank you um, and 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 more importantly your your spouse and all our healthcare workers this is is so incredibly frustrating um and uh, i i th- this this journey that they've been on for the past 2 years um they you know, somebody said that the you know the the first year was was about surviving, and now it's about enduring. I, I mean, it's it's been just incredible um, what they have had to go through the past two years. There are some positive signs, as I'm, I'm, I'm sure your husband um, ha- has shared, and that is that we have far fewer in the ICU um, with Omicron. It's 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 not as dangerous or deadly as uh, as past variants. Also, we do have so many more vaccines, um, and that's that's really important. What we're also seeing is that hospital stays are a lot shorter. Um, Under Delta, there was a national study that under Delta, the average hospital stay was like four to five days. And with Omicron, it's about a day and a half. But there's so much more of it. That's why we're seeing that that high throughput. More people are going to the hospital. Um, they're just staying less time. Unfortunately, they're not dying or, or ne- needing uh, to, uh, to, to to receive the, the same type of intensive care. So, so that's a big piece of this. And, and again, we are not giving up. Um, you hear me constantly calling for vaccines. The, the best way to protect yourself, the best way to protect your family is not a mask mandate. The best way to protect your, yourself and your family is to get vaccinated. Um, if you look at the hospitalizations right now, it is still mostly amongst the uh, still mostly unvaccinated people. Those with vaccinations and those with boosters are still doing very very well with Omicron, and uh, and so that's what we're doing. We are continuing to work to get everyone vaccinated, and especially our most vulnerable vaccinated and boosted, so that they do not end up in the in the hospital. Um, now, you, you, you mentioned the legislature. I, I have to. I have not been able this uh, the the vote that happened. happened right before I came in here. And so I don't know why they felt it was so important to do it now and not wait, you know, and, until this expired in, in, in 10 days. Um, what I would encourage everyone to do um, is to go to the website, le.utah.gov. That's the legislature's website. Go to le.utah.gov, and you can actually listen to the debate. It's it's one of the cool things. Um, Utah has been recognized for having some of the best technology. Um, you can go and click on it, and you can the, the cameras are there. You can hear both the Republicans and the Democrats. You can hear their arguments for why they thought it was important to do it now. Um, why you know why they shouldn't have done it now. You can hear those arguments about local control versus not local control. I, I can kind of imagine how those went, but I, I didn't get a chance to to listen to that. 
that. Um, at, at the end of the day, I'll go back and listen to most of those debates and, uh, and, and learn more about that as, as you will be able to do. But, but I think it would be helpful for everyone to actually go listen to the debate and, and hear what they had to say. It may convince you. It may not convince you. Um, we're pretty polarized right now. But uh, all, all I can tell you is that with Omicron, after 21 days, cases start coming down. That's true in, in states that have a mask mandate, in states that don't have a mask mandate. Um, and, uh, and so um, we are starting to turn that corner. Summit County is coming down. Um, we have evidence that shows that, uh, that Salt Lake County has, has plateaued um, and, and, and other parts of the Wasatch Front have plateaued. And uh, we expect to follow that, that, that the virus will follow the same behavior as it has everywhere else in the entire world. All right, Governor, we do have another listener on the line would like to weigh in on this issue, and that is Tamler in Draper. And Tamler, what was your question or comment? Hi, how are you guys today? Doing well, thank you. Okay, well, the first thing I want to mention is uh, it's great that Omicron's coming down and so on and so forth, but there, uh, what about the next mutation is uh, the one thing. The second thing, uh, some states have more uh, illnesses, obviously, than Utah because they're much bigger populations. So, and mandates to me do work. The problem in Utah is they're not enforced. I can tell you that because I've been in places that have the man since the mandate, and people are not wearing them. And before the mandates, hardly anybody was wearing a mask even the vaccinated people, which made absolutely no sense to me whatsoever. But if you don't enforce the mandate, no, it will not work. So I don't, I guess I, I don't like the idea of saying mandates don't work. Mandates would work if they were enforced and they're not being enforced. Um, yeah, th- thank the you. The excuse at Walmart was uh, they didn't want to put their people at risk. Yeah, th- th- thank you, Tamler, for for that question and and uh, and and your uh, you you probably don't feel, but you're you're kind of making the case for me and, and and for this this discussion. So so first of all, when I say cases are higher in other states, that that is adjusting for population. So those are per capita rates, and uh, and and we've seen everybody's going to take their turn in the top ten with with Omicron because it goes up so high and then it comes back down. And so uh, you know uh, we weren't in the top ten and now we are in the top ten. And uh, probably next week we won't be in the top ten. That's uh, that's how how Omicron works, and it's it's all based on we we always adjust for population, so that's important. Um, and and you're you're exactly right um, that that it is not being enforced. And what's interesting about this is again the the people who who need to wear the masks, um, uh, who need the protection the most are the unvaccinated, um, who who also um, co- coincidentally or not turn out to be the people who are least likely to to wear masks, and so. So you have a whole bunch of people who who are vaccinated and uh, and who have are maybe even boosted and have a very little chance, if any, maybe zero chance of of, of ending up in in, hosp- in the hospital or in ICUs who are who are wearing masks. <laughs> They're the ones that, that don't need to. Um, and, uh, and and you have others who who who, who need the protection who aren't. Um, but but that's the thing. Um, you know, the, the, even in the Salt Lake County building, they weren't 
enforcing the mask mandate, and it was Salt Lake County's mask mandate. And so, um, so even if you believe that uh, that that it's going to work, I, 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 you know, the the Salt Lake Tribune said that we should call out the National Guard to enforce these mandates, which is hilariously ridiculous and and very embarrassing for them. Um, and and that's that's the type of thing where where we have to have that that has to be part of the conversation. Um, if 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 there's no evidence from other states or school districts or counties um, that it is lowering the uh, rate or they're having reduced rates of Omicron because of a mask mandate. Again, I'm saying mask mandates where, where, where government is intervening, then that's the question we have to ask. Now, there are people in this state, and, and I'm, I, I, I understand, there are people who believe, and, and I've heard this on the call today, well, we have to do something. Even if it doesn't work, we have to do something. We should do that. That's a very, um, that's a very rational um, decision. It's a very rational conversation, and it probably depends on your view of government, on the role of government. Um, there, there, I'm the type of person that believes that government intervention um, should be a last resort, not a first resort, and should only be used if there is clear evidence that it's going to make a difference. And so, um, so, so that's again, that's that's kind of a, a principle-based conversation. And uh, but, but we can we can disagree. With without hating each other we can disagree without without calling each other names or thinking that that uh, that you're a communist and I'm trying to kill people that that's not helpful at all and unfortunately we see far too much of that what what I will tell you is that in a couple weeks um, omicron will be down you ask about the next variant and that that's true if if we have another variant where there is evidence that masks make all the difference um, then that's a very different conversation and uh, and one that we will have now now again I, I want to give some optimistic news out there to people um, there are many experts in this country um, who believe that Omicron um, will help us move out of the pandemic phase and into the endemic phase, um, which means that it, it will be here with us. We will probably have seasonal spikes, but we will be treating it much like we treat other illnesses like the flu and, and others um, as, as this variant has changed. And, and part of this variant being so explosive and impacting so many people, even people who are vaccinated, who are catching the disease but not having severe illness, um, that that part is, is a good sign and uh, is a way that this will provide a, a, a broader community immunity, um, a broader herd immunity, as it's sometimes called. And uh, this this happened, by the way, in 1918 with the, the flu. Actually, it happened in 1920. There was a third wave of, of the flu that was much less deadly, um, but was much more contagious and impacted a lot of people. And, and that helped move into the endemic phase. So there really are some silver linings here. And uh, I, I hope we can we can get back to, uh, to coming together and talking about those as we, like every single state and every single country in the world moves through this very high spike and then and then things come down quickly. All right, Governor, we need to take a break. The number to call for the final segment of Let Me Speak to the Governor, 801-575-8255. You can text us at 57500. Get your questions answered by the governor. Call 801-575-8255 to join Let Let Me Speak speak to the Governor governor on KSL News Radio. Thank you for joining us for this final segment of Let Me Speak to the Governor. I'm Maria Shaleos, along with Utah Governor Spencer Cox. Our next listener, Governor, is uh, um, the parent of a toddler who needs some relief from long and frequent quarantine and isolation. And this person says, I want to see a mask optional uh, uh, 
thing in classrooms for kids of all ages, but they're asking you what parents can do to promote rational policies in daycares that are more balanced as we enter this next phase of the pandemic. Well, thank you. And and what I would encourage people to do is again to continue to to reach out to their um, to to their legislators um, to have those conversations. And that's where we're really trying to go and, and trying to set the example again to get to a, a rational place um, in in all of this as as we move forward. And 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 we will start treating this like any other illness uh, at some point. Again, we the, the mass testing that we've done we don't do that for other illnesses. Um, that that will go away soon. Um, we'll uh, we, we, when you when you feel sick, you go to the doctor. If you, if you need to, and, and if you're high risk and you'll get tested for RSV, you'll get tested for the flu, and you'll get tested for COVID. And then they'll be able to, uh, as, as new medications, they've already come on. We just don't have enough for everyone right now, but we will soon. Um, and, and then they'll, they'll give you the medication that is best for you. And, uh, and, and we feel very confident that we'll get back to, uh, to a much more rational place. Our next caller is Paul in Spanish Fork. Good afternoon, Paul. What is your question? Hi, Governor Cog. Thanks for your service. Uh, I really appreciate the, the work you've done and uh, the tone that you've set that uh, I think sometimes uh, a little bit different from what we hear from politicians nationally. It's on that point, though, that I want to ask you about uh, your power compared to the power of the legislature. I have heard stories, I've seen examples where the legislature's tried to really roll back authority that you have. I mean, obviously, we're talking about COVID a lot, you know, emergency orders, emergency things that you can do. But more so than that, I mean, when the framers designed our government, or the federal government and the state government similar, they set up a system of checks and balances, you know, and their thought was that each branch of government would be sort of selfish with how they defended their power. And a lot of what we're seeing from the legislature is they're making that power grab. And I don't know that we're necessarily seeing that on your side or in your role. They you know, continually try to diminish your role. And what I think is important about that is the legislature essentially draws their own boundaries. You do not. And your boundary never changes. The state of Utah can never be gerrymandered. We all support or, or we all have you, uh, you know, as, a, as an elected official that we can vote for. So in a way, you're probably the most representative uh, person there. Um, in this, in the whole government. So anyway, I'd like you to comment on that and yeah. and tell me Thank what you. you're doing for your power. Yeah, th- th- thank you, Paul. So it, it, it's it's a really good question, and it's one I, I've, we've actually talked to, together as, as our staff about. Um, I, I will tell you, th- there is one change that that, that that I think was a huge mistake, um, and uh, but uh, obviously members of the legislature will disagree with me on that. And it was a change made by the people of the state of Utah. So a, a couple years ago, um, there was a, a, um, a constitutional change that was put on the ballot. And, and just so people know the way constitutional changes work, um, the legislature passes those changes with a, um, they, they have to, it's basically with a veto-proof majority, and, and that's in the Constitution as well. So two-thirds have to support it. So the governor doesn't get involved, it can't be involved in those those decisions. Um, it, it's, it's not like it comes to my desk. So, so they pass it with two-thirds, and then it goes on the ballot, and then the people of the state of Utah get to vote on it. And, and um, it's something that I opposed. It's something that I opposed very vocally, and that was giving the legislature the ability to call themselves into special session. Um, and historically, only the governor could do that. We had the 45 days set aside in the Constitution, but if the legislature wanted to come back in, um, then then the governor had to call them back in. And that led to, the, the governor had a lot of authority there. Um, the governor was able to push back. Um, we were able to prevent them from coming into session, and that matters in a, in a very big way. Um, the, the, it was a narrow vote. Um, even though I opposed it, Governor Herbert opposed it, the people of the state of Utah supported it. Um, 
Um, I think it was a mistake. I think I've been proven right on that. Um, I, I have heard lots of people that voted for it who've come back and said, you know, I really wished I hadn't voted for that. Um, but it did change the balance of power in the state. There's no question. Now, the executive branch still has a lot of power, still has a lot of authority, and I respect the authority of the legislature. We have had past governors that did not respect the authority of the legislature. They are a co-equal branch of government. And sometimes, and, and it, this has happened especially at the national level, the chief of executive has gotten significantly much more power than uh, than 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 Congress. And, and I think that's a mistake, too. I think you can have too much executive power and people not having those checks the other way around. But we are watching very closely. Now, when, when, when there is a veto-proof majority, we can still veto things, and we have done in the past, and we'll continue to do that. It's, it's often an exercise in futility. So sometimes we will allow things to go into law without our signature as just a kind of a protest to say we don't support this, but we recognize that it will be, uh, it will be overturned or, or vetoed. Um, but when there, are, when there are power grabs, when they're trying to remove um, authority from the executive branch or, or do something that is in the purview of the executive branch, then, then we will often resort to the courts. We haven't had a lawsuit like that in a while. We have had some over the past few years, but, but I'm not afraid to challenge them, and, uh, and they know that. Um, the good news is we have a very good working relationship right now, and that's where we can make the, the, the biggest difference. Um, I work very closely to, uh, to get changes made to legislation before that legislation gets passed so that it's something that I feel is in the best interest of the state, and then we'll veto where necessary. But I appreciate the, the, very, thoughtful, uh, the very thoughtful question and conversation, and I love having a question that's not COVID related. So thanks for that, Paul. And there were a number of them, Governor, that are still yet to come. But unfortunately, we are out of time. People wanted to know about fixing roads. There were more uh, questions about water conservation. But again, we're out of time. We'll have some for next time. (laughs) I know. We have about 20 texts and uh, at least five callers who did not get on the line. But Governor, thank you so much for spending an hour with us and, and answering the questions of Utahns. Thank you, Maria. And you've been listening to Let Me Speak to the Governor on KSL News Radio. KSL FM Midvale, KSL Salt Lake City. It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts.